So Money episode 353, Clay Clark. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor and even video backgrounds. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today, serial entrepreneur, dubbed the Jim Carrey of entrepreneurship. And we're going to learn why on this episode. Clay Clark is here. He's the former U.S. Small Business Administration Entrepreneur of the Year. He's the founder of the online business mentorship site, Thrive15.com. It all started with him starting and running nine businesses. He's also the author of four books, including Thrive, How to Take Control of Your Destiny and Move Beyond Surviving now, exclamation point. Clay, again, has been referred to as the Jim Carrey of entrepreneurship in Yahoo, and he's the speaker of choice for Hewlett Packard and several of America's biggest companies. In our conversation, we discover what motivates him. He is nonstop. He has extremely high energy, to say the least. He's very accomplished, very goal-oriented. What motivates him? How he's scaling his business with Thrive15.com and his best advice for aspiring entrepreneurs, how to once in for all, start that business you've always wanted to start. Here we go. Here's Clay Clark. Clay Clark, welcome to So Money. I'm excited to learn how to take control of my destiny in 30 minutes or less. Hey, thank you for having me on your program. So you've been called the Jim Carrey of entrepreneurship. That was in Yahoo Finance. What? Well, okay. Here's the deal. I uh, My first company I started was called DJConnection.com. It was an entertainment company for weddings and corporations and that kind of thing. And before I sold it, we were doing about 4,000 events per year. And so my job was to make mundane events exciting, you know, to bring entertainment to things. And so when I sold the business, and I started traveling around the world as a, as a speaker guy. Uh, I realized that I'm not a beautiful man. I don't have any real uh, big talent or skills, but I've, been, I've done very well in the world of business. And so I've always tried to bring entertainment and education into, into one thing called edutainment. And apparently some people at Yahoo thought it was pretty funny. So I think I'm more of a Jim Gaffigan than a, than a Jim uh, Oh, yeah. Well, Jim Gaffigan is the man, the comedian of the hour. And you have started nine businesses, which is why many people do call you the serial entrepreneur. But you mentioned the one thing. And on 
So on the one hand, someone might look at your career and say, oh, my gosh, nine businesses. This guy has ADD or he's all over the place. But you actually you have streamlined this. You do actually have one theme running throughout all of the businesses that you start. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. What I what I do is um, uh, one of my businesses I'm involved in. It's a fitness business. So I, I guess on paper I'm the COO of that business. It's called Bootcamp Tulsa, and it's a women's fitness program. Well, then I also am, uh, work with an orthodontist, where I'm, my job is to market his company. You know, and I'm I'm not an orthodontist, and I'm not a fitness expert, and I'm not like a photographer. Let's say so. Each business I find somebody who has a lot of skill in one area, whether it be photography or uh, PR or, or whether it be orthodontist. Or, or, or fitness. And then what I do is I build the business systems. So I, I do the whole thing that Michael Gerber talks about, you know, work on the business, not in it. Uh, I would argue I do work a lot in it, but I help build the systems that, that allow that skill to be scaled out over and over and over. Your new book, is it your newest? Thrive? How yes. To take control of your destiny and move beyond surviving now. How did you take control of your destiny? Uh, well, I grew up uh, where I wasn't um, homeless. And I know a lot of people listening to this, we all grew up at different uh, income levels. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who grew up maybe more uh, financially challenged than I, I, I was. But, you know, we grew up on food stamps. Sometimes we, we struggled from time to time. And um, I just realized that uh, the world didn't uh, wake up every day with a burning desire to, to pay me. And, but I realized that, that the people who out, out there who are very successful were, were doing things very different than I was doing them. And so I didn't know a lot about everything, but I, I, was, I think I was smart enough to ask, start asking the question, what are successful people doing that I, I'm not doing? And I began reaching out to mentors who, who pushed me and steered me towards books like Think and Grow Rich and the timeless classics like Rich Dad, Poor Dad or Dave Ramsey, these kind of things. And one by one, I started acting upon those, those principles and those practices and the mentorship and began to kind of make it my own. And uh, now I, I just my daily schedule is very, very different than most people. Tell me about your schedule. I'm curious now. That was quite okay. the tease. Okay. Well, I, I have uh, uh, three rules I kind of live by. Okay. So uh, one of them is, is, is proximity. Um, so as an example, um, you know, if you're, you're a lady who's had a lot of success, you're, you're sharp, you're, you're driven. And I think that there's probably things, you know, uh, everyone could learn uh, from you. And then there's a guy who uh, maybe in, in our life, we can all picture that guy or girl who's just negative. You know, everything's bad and the, and the world's falling apart and, and they're upset about the, the newest relationship or their newest job or the newest. They're just, they're just upset. They see the world is half empty. Well, if you only have, you know, 24 hours a day and, and you choose to spend one of those hours every day with someone like yourself who is upwardly mobile and you're trying to be the best you that you can be, or you spend an hour with somebody who's trying to uh, convince you that that the world is bad and getting worse, um, at the end of the day, that hour could be used very productively or very uh, uh, negatively. And so what I do is I make sure I focus on spending time with, with people in that proximity. That's, that's kind of rule number one. Rule number, t- number two is I ordain my destiny. So every day I make a to-do list and I spend about two to three hours a day minimum um, in a thing called meta time where I'm not working in my current, I'm not thinking about my current reality. I'm, I'm thinking about where I want to be. I'm thinking above the word meta Greek meaning above or beyond. I'm contrasting where I want it, where I am right now versus where I want to be. And I methodically plan out my day. And then the third thing I, I do that as I'm, I'm a 
voracious uh, consumer, a, an absolute maniacal, uh, obsessive, uh, compulsive about learning. And I, I block off time every single day to learn because no matter what research you read, whether it's uh, Carol Dweck and, and the whole growth mindset and her Stanford studies, or it's Dave Ramsey and his Habits of the Rich studies with Tom Corley, or it's the Princeton studies, whatever study you want to read, um, successful people, uh, at least three quarters of them are taking 15 to 30 minutes a day to study um, their career and how to become the best them that they can be or how to get into that top 5% of their industry. And that's my big three I do every single day. Why are you so motivated? Uh, currently, it's because my dad um, had a, a stroke and uh, he, had a, uh, he had a tumor that was supposed to kill him this year. He had congestive heart failure this year. Um, and uh, I'm really trying to actually expand our, uh, we'll call it Camp Clark in Chicken Palace. We raised 17 chickens. Um, I'm trying to expand that so I can make room for my family and, and add them uh, basically into the compound, so to speak. You know, so that's probably why I'm super motivated now. Um, but, uh, last year I was very motivated for different reasons. And then my big, my big reason I'm motivated is I, w- I want to help mentor millions. And I believe that the kind of training that you provide on your podcast and, and with what you do on your financial training and these kinds of things, you're cha- you have an opportunity to change someone's life. I mean, for news, you're not just changing their wallet. I mean, you're, you're actually changing people's lives. And I think once you can find something that you're excited about, in my case, it's mentoring millions and helping people get out of poverty and into success. Um, it, it, it can become a driver for you. You know, and, and at one point in my career for our new show, I wanted to be the best DJ in the world. You know, that was my big thing. And so every year that that goal changes. But I think we always have to have a big, big goal that we're chasing. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's the new year. So often we're setting resolutions. What do you do in the beginning of the year? Because resolutions can be a dead end. Um, so many people fail at them. And it's not because we're not worthy of achieving our goals. It's just that the system by which we follow resolutions, it's a sort of a broken system. You know, this idea that you send, you create this lofty goal and then you put all this pressure on yourself to accomplish it. What do you do in the beginning of the year that helps you kind of assess where you want to be and how do you make sure you get there? Well, I, because I do block off meta time seven days a week, every single day, I'm very realistic about things. So if you and I were working in the same business and you said, Clay, we should start a podcast that could be thousands of people all over the world would 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 want to listen to, you know, if I knew you and your, your character, I might go, okay, you know, you would actually do that. Let's pursue it. But if I knew your character and I know you're the kind of person that would execute it, I would kind of blow it up quickly, you know? And in my own life, I just, I, I do it every single day and I look at my, my goals and I go, you know, is that realistic thing. And if it is a realistic thing, when am I going to do it? The big question is when, right? I mean, when? So it's not so much for me an an annual thing. It's more of a daily thing. And so every day I ask myself, you know, when am I going to do that? And if I'm going to add something to my life, to quote Warren Buffett, you have to take something out of your life, right? Trade-offs, right. Yeah. So trade-offs are huge. And so I begin uh, every morning by doing that. And I'm just being totally blunt. Right now, the thing I do is I I never leave my office uh, ever during the day, ever. Um, and, uh, so I, I don't do it. Um, so today, you know, Donald Trump was going to be uh, speaking at, at uh, in, in Tulsa and people said, you should come to the Donald Trump thing. You should go watch him, you know, whether you like him or not, it'll be a fun thing. And, you know, I, I can't say, yes, I'm going to be at that and also spend quality time with my five kids tonight. Five so I'm kids. just, whoa, 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 fun. whoa. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're, we're definitely uh, five headed. You know, we're trying to, we always wanted to have five, but I'm trying to convince my wife for number six. I feel like that'll, that'll be legit. 
Okay, because I think, well, one is legit. Five is, I don't even know what you call that. I don't even know what category that falls into. What are their age ranges? Well, our oldest is, is 12, you know, and oh then my we, gosh. yeah, so we have four girls and a boy. We have twins are our youngest. These guys, these guys are five. These, these girls are five. Um, and we homeschool them all. And then we live on a property with 17 chickens, chickens. where we run our nine businesses. What so a it's sort of a, you're giving me right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little bit, you know, we call it Camp Clark and Chicken Palace. That's what we, that's what we Love call it. it. Well, um, you know, we've talked a lot about business. Let's talk about money. Yeah, let's do it. I want to learn first and foremost if you have you, you seem to have a you be you are a man of many convictions. What is your financial philosophy? What's your money mantra? Well, for me, it's something I like to do is I like to sign every check. You know, I like to. I don't seem ridiculous, but I like to. Like if, like, like if I get a credit card statement. You, wait, 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 wait. Do you, you actually? <laughs> this is not. I'm not being facetious. But how many checks do you write? Because I feel like these days everything's so electronic. But you like the paper, pen, and paper contact. Yeah, and I'm not. To me, I'm not saying that you have to physically sign. I do, and I'm signing hundreds. But I personally like to interact with every dollar in a very spiritual way, almost. So when I get my credit card statement as example. I put all of my business expenses on one particular card, and I look at it with a fine tooth comb, and I just analyze every single thing, and I go, "What was that? No." Yes, no, you know, and you start to find like, did we sign up for Ancestry.com? Was who was who was on there last night trying to figure out, you know? So then I, my, I'll talk to my wife, and I'm like, hey, did did we sign up for like three or four different MLMs last night, and then like Juice Plus, and then like uh, Ancestry.com? And she'll go, you know, no or yes or whatever. But the thing is, Farnoosh, I know what's going on. And in this world of digital, it's very easy to spend tons of money, copious amounts of money, because it's just so easy, right? It's auto-drafted, it's auto-shipped, it's auto-renewed, it's just bam, bam. So I really, really am very fastidious about actually seeing everything, the statements, being being involved, very active participant in the financial aspect. I, I, I learned that from a lot of the things I'd read about Donald Trump and the way he manages construction projects. I'm not going to ask you who you're voting for. Uh, well, it could be Bernie Sanders or it could be Donald Trump. You never know. It's you just, never it's know. Bit- <laughs> so Hillary is just not even going to, well, you don't think she'll make it? Well, I just feel like, you know, that, that Hillary, uh, we've, I feel like there's a lot of people right now who are looking for a transformative change. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that's kind of the pulse I feel. And I feel like that there's a large group of people who are like, you know, the Bernie Sanders, kind of more of that, hey, if you're working and you can't afford to pay your bills, the government should help you out. There's that crowd. And then there's the other crowd who's like, just get government out of the way and let's build buildings and just build walls. And, you know, so yeah, I think you have, you know, the, 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 I think it's far extreme right now. I think we have a huge polarity, personally. I don't mm-hmm. think, and I think Hillary's a little safe. You know, I'm not a political analyst. I think she's a little bit, you know, we've already had that, you know, so she's kind of sailing. And I think, you know, uh, the, the, you know, Mr. Bush is also kind of playing it safe right now. So I think we're going to see an extreme. I think that's why people are loving the polarity of those two people. Hmm. Very interesting analysis. OK, I'm really f- curious now to learn more about you as a child, um, mm. little child. L- like, what was your exposure to money as a kid growing up? I-, I have to think that you were hardwired in some ways for success. I mean, just hearing you, I can tell you have a lot of energy. You're a positive person. And as a child, what was your understanding of money? And what, what was maybe one pivotal experience that you had, financial mm-hmm. experience? Well, one thing we did is we didn't talk about it. We weren't allowed to talk about it. You know, we never talked about it because we thought about it all the time. So you thought about it all the time, but you didn't talk about it because was it just an understood that this was not 
a, a I, safe topic. I think in America right now, I'm sure other cultures are the same way. I mean, and you're an expert on this subject, so I, I, I'm speaking from my experience, but you've obviously had a tapestry of all these different people you've talked to. But what I find is that people who don't have any money at all never want to talk about it, but yet it defines every decision, right? So as a kid, you know, am I going to play for the competitive baseball team? Well, do we have the money for it? Can I go to camp with the other kids? Well, do we have the money for it? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I do this? Well, do we have the money for it? I used to stutter. I, I had a uh, have a speech pathologist as a kid, you know, and, and can, can we do that? I don't know. Do we have the money for it? And so what you do is you sort of put it in a deep, dark, like the junk drawer of life, you know, where you've got like the stapler and you've got the old remote control. You ever, you know, we, we all have in that junk drawer of life right now, we all have like a remote uh, manual, like a manual on how to use a remote for a VCR we no longer even own. <laughs> and that's where people put their financial, I mean, people put their bank statements in there. Like, wait, oh, look at that. You know, I'll be offensive, you know, so we don't talk about it. And then what we do is we, we, we let it dominate every aspect of our life. And that was kind of what I saw growing up. And uh, when you grow up around uh, uh, poverty, you see a lot of people who are growing up around poverty. They say, well, I don't want to be greedy. Well, I'll tell you what. Now, I, I don't really think about money um, almost ever, you know, as far as like I don't worry about it. I don't make decisions based on it for niche, but I, um, I definitely focused on earning money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I thought about it. I talked about it. My kids openly ask me all the time. Last week, my son, I deposited a check. I did a speaking event and I had a check and my son's like, dad, is that $18,000? Mm. And I was, and I'm like, yes, it is eighteen thousand dollars. But let me show you how much I actually keep. And I went through and I explained to him what the hotel cost there in Orlando and the airfare and shipping the books. As you know, you ship your books and you, you know, taxes and whatever. And, I, and he's like, oh, okay, you know. So I, I teach my kids now about money. They they actually work. They don't get an allowance. They have a merit based pay, and they actually clean the offices. And if they do the cleaning and they follow the checklist, they get money. And if they don't, they don't. And so. Uh, my oldest is now making about 350 big ones a month right now. What? She's sort of a big, oh yeah, she's a big deal. She's got the, and she's buying, wow. she bought, she's buying some ducks. She's trying to get some ducks right now. She's focused on getting some ducks. We have chickens. She wants to add ducks. And my son is picking up BB guns and, you know, anything they'll sell him. He's buying a lot of accoutrements for his sisters, you know, so. Very nice. What about college, though? I would say $350 a month times 12 times, you know, how many more years until college? That's a good tuition payment right there. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to – I won't uh, – I, maybe I'll debate with you about college, but we'll get into it here. I, I think if you're going to college to, to learn a discernible skill, I am all about it. Like if you want to become an orthodontist mm-hmm. or a welder or a graphic designer, you know, and you and I, you and I have never talked about this, but I, I find that a lot of people kind of go to college as a default. Yes, I agree with you. I actually very much agree with you. I think that college at this day and age, in this day and age, given the price, it's it's not it should not just be your default that you should really think about it critically. You should calculate. You should be looking at this as an investment. This was advice that I got from my parents and education was huge in my family growing up. It wasn't whether whether or not I was going to going going to college. I was going to college, but they wanted to make sure that that experience didn't come back to haunt me financially in years to come. And that was, you know, decades ago. Now, forget it. Like, you have to be serious about your college decision. And maybe it means not going right away. And maybe it means piecing together your education to make it affordable for you. But yeah, this idea of, and I think this is what you're getting at, like leveraging all this money to learn a soft skill that isn't really in demand in the market. I just, I find it really hard to justify that. 
Well, I'll give you two fun examples. You know, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, you know, he, he says, hey, you should probably just become a plumber. You know what I mean? If you don't know what to do, become a plumber because that's a skill set people need. You're in demand. You can set your own hours. And even though people might not hold up a plumber as being in a high regard, he points out you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars being a plumber. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's kind of his advice, you know, for people. He's a billionaire. He's saying, hey, find a need and, and you know, solve it. Find a problem and solve it. Right. But- I had a guest on this show, Terry Trespicio, who's all mm-hmm. about she hates the word passion, you know, like she, yeah. in, in this, in the context of pursue your passion, because she's like, sometimes you, it's okay. Like it makes people feel bad when they can't identify their passion. And then what happens? You just end up being stuck in whatever oh. you're doing as opposed to just trying new things that may not identify right away as your passion, but it's, you're being productive. You're doing something, you're learning something. And that might lead you to actually something more exciting later on, but you have to keep the wheels turning people. Yeah, well, here's here's the thing about passion. I'll say this. Uh, uh, do you like R&B music, Farnoosh? I like some R&B music, sure. I don't want to put you on the spot with all your listeners I like, like some this. Slow jams. You, okay, some slow jams. So let's just let's we'll, we'll kind of go there mentally. Some old school Luther, you know. Like I love old school Luther. Luther's great. You know, I'm passionate about it. The problem is, I'm like a B minus singer. I'm a B minus. I'm maybe a C plus. <laughs> so like I can be passionate, but I don't get paid to do that. But what I am good at, and you know, why we decided to build our our, our big online uh, uh, platform, uh, the, the 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 website we built, Thrive15.com, is because. I have neurologists, doctors, dentists, lawyers that pay me to help market their company. And I'm going, I can only work with kind of, unless you can pay the $2,000 a month fee, I, I can't work with most people, you know? So I help people who are kind of doing well, well do great. But what about the people who can't uh, afford those fees, you know? And that's why that we decided to, to build the online school. And I would just tell anybody listening right now that the financial advice, I think, I think I've watched an episode of you on the, on the Today Show when I was cyber stalking you. I think it was the Today Show. Uh-huh. And, you know, you give such practical advice in, on the Today Show that, like, people can graduate from college if they're not careful and not learn. So I would just say, if, you don't, if you're listening right now and you don't know what you want to do, find a skill and focus on listening to podcasts like your own or checking out our, our online school. But learning those practical skills is so important. And if you earn enough money, guess what? I could buy all of the Luther Vandross CDs I want. All of them. I could buy them. I've got the greatest hits. I've got Live from Radio City. I've got it. Uh, the, the vinyl, you know, that I don't even play, but I have that just because I could buy it. And I have the Adele, the, I have the Adele's new vinyl. I don't play it on vinyl, but I just, I, I can, I buy it because I didn't pursue my passion. I pursued a solving a problem and making money. And now I have money to buy my things I'm passionate about. Well, speaking of solving problems, what's a financial failure that you experienced and how did you work your way out of it? Well, here it is. I decided to get married to a beautiful woman and uh, she is, I've tricked her into staying married to me for years. She's <laughs> how currently, dare you? well, she's currently running for Mrs. Oklahoma and people are like, is that your wife? You're so, is she blind? Can she see you? Wow. You know, cause I'm just kind of a man bear pig. She's gorgeous. And so my wife though, I, I decided to get married. I'm excited. I'm passionate, you know, and I'm passionate and I decided to get married. I get proposed. I propose. We live in an apartment pretty soon. I realize I am the world's worst marketing sales slash business owner guy. I have $20,000 of DJ gear I've bought from working construction and I have no customers, no idea how to get them, no concept of what's going on. And I'm just getting my butt kicked every day because the market's just, I mean, if people don't pay, pay you, if they don't hire you, if they don't see value in your service, you, you get poor pretty quick. And I just thought I was so talented and the world needed to pay me because I love DJing so much. I was passionate, Farnoosh. And so <laughs> I ended up learning that I had to turn on, I had to make some, some concessions here, some trade-offs. I had to turn off the air conditioning. 
I remember turning off the wow. air conditioning in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I remember that. I, I, I remember um, people came into my house and they were like, well, why don't you, why is it so hot? You know, I, I remember, um, you know, just having one car, my wife having to drop me off. And when she dropped me off, you know, I, you know, that car barely worked and I worried if she would get to someplace. And I remember just the whole, like, and it, that was the financial, just, I, I, I totally did not think about the downside. Remember? Cause I was so passionate. I was so, um, in Rome and I was in, uh, infatuated. I was, I was having a romance with my business in that dream of what my marriage would be. And I never thought about, well, what happens if I struggle to gain traction? And so from that point forward, every time I go into a business venture, I always ask the question, if this thing is terrible, is this still a good idea? I mean, if I am terrible, if I'm the worst ever in this industry, can I still eke out a survival? And if the question is no, then I don't do it. Well, that's simple. You know, that's why I move. So right now, if I hop into an industry, I just mm. look at it and go, how long can we be terrible? And in our, in our, in our men's <laughs> grooming lounge, we have, um, it's called Elephant in the Room. We have two locations now. We're going to open up a third in Denver here soon. We were awful, Farnoosh. Like, I, I don't know. Are you married, Farnoosh? I am. See, like, it was a deal. Like, if you said, Clay, my husband wants to check out your men's grooming lounge, I would be like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're in beta. No, yeah. no, you know. Because I didn't want your, your your husband to have a mangled mop, you know? <laughs> and so, but but now I proudly recommend it. But we were awful at first. Now we're great, but we were terrible. And so I knew going into it, hey, I'm going to have to lose money, maybe 100000 or more every year for a couple of years until we figure this out. But now we have a system, you know? So I just would recommend to everyone listening right now, if you're thinking about starting a business, ask yourself, how long can you afford to be terrible? And if that number is not a number that you can deal with, don't do it. Well, what was your number again? Well, you want to ask yourself, how long can you afford to be terrible? And I would say at least a couple years. A couple years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of systems, let's transition to financial habits. What's like a system that you've created that allows you to maintain good habits with your money? Well, one is everything's merit-based pay around here. I know someone listening is going to go, that's illegal. You can't do that. Well, Maybe. But here's the deal. Like in New York, what's the minimum wage in New York City right now? Is it like uh, what, oh gosh, $47 an hour? I don't know. It's a lot. So anyway, so in New York, you know, you pay a guy, let's say it's 12 an hour or 10 an hour minimum wage. Plus you got health care and whatever else you're supposed to pay, state taxes, FICA, whatever. Anyway, let's say you're paying somebody 14 an hour, you know, in New York roughly uh, to work at, a, let's say, a restaurant. In my office is the way I do it. Is I say, hey, I'm going to pay you the minimum because I have to, you know, but I'm going to pay you per your actions. So I pay you based on what you get done, not what, not based on what you intend to do. And so if you do your job well, in my office, we have search engine optimizers and PR people and salespeople and video editors. Based on your performance, it's all you get bonused out based on that. So if you're really terrible, Farnoosh, I won't go bankrupt overpaying someone who's terrible. You know what I'm saying? But right. if someone performs and knocks it out of the park, they'll make a ton of money and actually make more money than the industry average. And that's not my idea. That idea came from a book called The Service Profit Chain written by Harvard, which explains how UPS and, uh, you know, uh, UPS and, and Disney and, and Starbucks and Southwest Airlines, how they pay their people, merit-based pay. Mm-hmm. Merit-based pay is action item one. Action item number two is I really do try to have a spiritual interaction in signing every check or being involved. And every time my money goes out, I want to know about it every time. Good for you. That's excellent. I mean, I think in this day and age, especially with the electronic world that we live in, everything's paperless, everything's everything is automated. It's really easy to oh. to to create this this really horrible relationship with money or, you know, well, there is no relationship with money. 
Well, I talked to a guy the other day, and uh, I was actually it was, it was interesting. I was speaking to his wife, and then I somehow I ended up talking to him because of just some mutual acquaintances. But the point is, they were needing some financial counseling, and I'm not a financial consultant. They just knew that I could kind of help them. And I go, "How much money do you need to make every week to make your ends meet? You know, how much do you need to make a week?" And Farnoosh, yeah. they had no idea. Wow. And I see this all the time. I bet you, what, eight out of 10 people that I sit down and have that talk with, they have no idea. Hmm. And so they just know that money comes out, money comes in, my credit card debt gets higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And because easy access to credit, easy access to money coming in and out, people just don't know where they're at. Wow. Um, let's do some so many fill in the blanks, shall we? Boom. All right. <laughs> You're so much fun. If I won the lottery tomorrow, besides buying more chickens, the first thing I would do is? The same thing I'm doing right now. Really? You wouldn't change yeah. anything? No, I wouldn't. I just love what I do. And I, I, I would probably, I wouldn't even give away Thrive15.com subscriptions because I know people don't value what they don't pay for. So I would do nothing different. I would just, you know, maybe say, uh, I'll get buy myself a Tom Brady jersey. A Tom Brady jersey. You could maybe go to the Super Bowl. I'll probably buy, what I would do is, this is what I would do. I would find a way to resurrect Michael Jackson's soul and put it into a human body and go to that concert while sitting on the front row next to Tom Brady. That's what I would do. Well, I, I love I love Michael Jackson. Rest in peace. He uh, filmed, this is a little fun fact for everybody. So I live in Brooklyn and my mm. subway stop is, maybe I shouldn't say this because then I'll, you know, who knows what'll happen. But my subway stop is Hoyt Schirmerhorn Street mm. in Brooklyn. That happens to be the same subway where they filmed Bad. The oh, really? Yeah, the video for Bad, um, which was like the first album I remember actually creating dance moves to. Yeah, yep. it's just going to be going right now. Yeah, totally. Okay, one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Executive assistants and quality people. You have more than one of exec- you have more than one executive assistant? I have people, yes, that, that help me do what I do. I just like this morning, this is an example of what not to do. I have this awesome man cave. I built it. I'm adding on to it, you know. And I want PowerPoint. I want pow- I have a speaking event and I need PowerPoint. So Mixmaster Marshall is gonna have to come over to my casa tonight and help me with this because I can't figure out how to set up PowerPoint. Am I I feel like I, my mind is somewhat sound. But I can't figure it out, you know? And the thing is, I am not good at those kinds of things, but I'm really good at doing speaking events, and I'm very good at raising capital, and I'm very good at, you know, a lot of things. But PowerPoint, I can't, I can't, get, I can't get it to work, Farnoosh. Yeah, I need I'm, some help. I'm terrible. I mean, I need a lot of time to really master PowerPoint, and I actually would enjoy it, but I don't have the time. That's what I'm saying. So I have to have people that help me do it. And so I would, I would encourage anybody listening to this. We've all heard the old 80-20 rule, 20-80 mm-hmm. rule, whatever. But the point is, identify. Write down a list of all the things that you do well that only you can do, that you do the best. And then write down a list of all the stuff that you have to do that you're terrible at or you're not good at. And to see if you can pay someone on your team to do it for you. Who's your role model these days? Doctor, yeah, Doctor Robert Zellner. Um, he he's the CEO of Thrive15.com, uh, our, our our website. And my wife started working with him as a kind of the front desk receptionist person at his optometry clinic. Hmm. And this dude's practice sees a hundred patients a day, and the what? average optometrist sees like ten a day. Yeah, and then he built the largest auction in the Midwest, and then he started a bank. He was the board on the uh, on the bank board, and now he has so much money he refuses to wear anything but an adult soccer jersey every day. Wow. So he's sort of like, you know, he's my hero. And when I started Thrive 15, I I thought, I want him to be the CEO. And I begged him. I literally begged him 
and he's now the CEO of Thrive15.com, and oh, he's man. just the best. It's it's like having like you know we we we, 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 we brought on David Robinson, the basketball player, onto the squad. I just got goosebumps, and it's mm. like that every time I see him. I have kind of a man crush. It's sort of a problem. That's it's a good problem. It's a good problem. Okay, finish this for me. I'm Clay Clark. I'm so money because. I'm Clay Clark, and I'm so money because I'm maniacally focused on detailed daily planning. I love it. Thanks for making my day. I love guests who um, kiss my ass. It's really nice. Oh, (laughs) you're great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for letting me be on the program. And in all sincerity, I uh, was cyberstalking some of your stuff there. And I, I really do love how you take some of these complex uh, financial ideas and you're able to do it in that ridiculous, you know, you only have 180 seconds on those programs yeah. to say it. And you do such a good job of laser focusing on there and kind of speaking the big headlines, but then dialing down the detail. And I just thank have a you. huge appreciation for higher attic scaling. So good work. Thank you so much. And really um, wishing you continued success with your beautiful family and your thriving business. No, no uh, pun intended. Is that, a, is that even a pun? That's more like a just coincidental use of words. That's but just awesome hoo-ha from a wordsmith. This is awesome hoo-ha. Okay. Clay, thanks so much. and Happy New Year. Boom. You are a great American. Thank you for farnooshing. <laughs> Bye-bye. See ya. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Clay Clark, his website is thrive15.com. The book again is called Thrive, How to Take Control of Your Destiny and Move Beyond Surviving now. He's on Twitter at the Clay Clark. All this information, including the transcript, audio, and comments from this episode and all previous episodes over at somoneypodcast.com. And there, of course, you can send me your question for the Friday episodes. Just click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your comments, your questions, your reviews, your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, everyone. Hope your day is so money. So money.